Now, chapter 3. Remember, just about every chapter has something that deals with the king and the kingdom. So here in chapter 3, it's the announcement of the king. John the Baptist comes on the scene. John the Baptist says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See in verse 2? And saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look up here. When we understand that in the spiritual realm, there is the kingdom of God. In the physical realm, there is the kingdom of heaven. All those who trust Christ as Savior from beginning to end are born of God and in the kingdom of God. It's the spiritual realm. It's the spiritual birth. So there's the kingdom of God. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were born into the kingdom of God. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus? Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God or enter the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual birth. So there is a spiritual realm, and it's called the kingdom of God. And everyone who is born of God are in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's who you are. That's where you are now. I am in the kingdom of God, my new birth. It's a different world altogether. Now, I got an old birth, still lives in this one. Now, this one is a physical kingdom. It's the king comes from heaven to set up his kingdom upon the earth. This is the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. The kingdom of God is a spiritual. This is a physical. So this is why a lot of people don't get this and keep it clear. Therefore, they get a lot of scripture that conflicts. But all scripture has to perfectly dovetail. It has to go together. So here he says, the kingdom of heaven is a hand. This kingdom was at hand, and he was preaching, get ready, the king is coming. The king is coming. He's coming right after me, and he was to get everybody ready. Have you ever had the house of mess? Company's coming. Oh, no. I remember we have an extra bedroom, and sometimes, you know, you put extra stuff in the extra bedroom. And it's all over the place. That's why I like my desk. I believe in having a place for everything and everything all over the place. So there's sometimes it's all over the place. And Benny says, Yankee, little man and Cheryl's coming. She has to find something to put all that other stuff. Open up the closet. Open in there. And hope nobody opened the closet. But you got to get ready. But if you showed up and nothing's been done, it's like you weren't looking for him. Jesus is coming. John the Baptist preached it. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Get ready. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. We've been waiting for this for a thousand years, and he's coming. If you listen quietly, you can hear the footsteps of the Messiah. Gershom Solomon said that. And he doesn't even know the Lord. So you go through here and you have the announcement of the king. The king is coming. And it talks about what he's going to do. Now notice this, because I thought it was kind of interesting. When he makes a statement in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. He that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. 
he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, which is hell. So you have right at the very beginning, hey, he's coming. And he's going to take the wheat and let him go into the kingdom. He's going to take the chaff and he's going to take and they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. This is what this king's going to do. But when Jesus Christ comes, he has to be tried, tested. So you look in chapter 4. Chapter 4, you have the leadership preparation of the king. If he can't stand up against the devil, he wouldn't be qualified to be the king, to do what needs to be done. He wouldn't be a very good leader because the devil has already got everybody else. He got them to go their own way, do their own thing. You'd be surprised how many Christians sit in here right now. You already know the Lord, but you're going your own way. If you're not going God's way, you're going the devil's way. It's either the Lord or the devil. If you're not walking with God, you're working, walking with the devil. There is no in-between. There's no purgatory. Christ says, you're either for me or against me. You can judge that for yourself. I'm not here to judge anybody this morning. I'll do that next week. No. <laughs> but here he's talking about, there is in chapter 4, the temptation where Jesus is tested by the devil. And he offers him all the kingdoms of the world. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. He's the son. He's the king. They all belong to him. So the devil is able in a moment of time to have these flashes of kingdoms upon the earth. And he says, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you all of these. And Jesus already knew what he wanted. And he knew that he is the king. And he may not get it here, but he's going to get it here. He wins. So that the king had the king of this world attacking him. And the king of this world thought that he done won the battle when Jesus was crucified. But it was only the beginning. Jesus came back from the dead. And what God has promised is going to be fulfilled. We do not believe that the church has replaced Israel. I believe that what God has for the church, he has for the church. And what God promised Israel, it's going to happen just like God promised. And that's in the future, coming down the line. Now, look where he says in Matthew chapter 4. He says this in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to teach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Even at this point, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was going to set up his kingdom. He's formed his cabinet. He's chosen his leaders. And he's given them his constitution in chapter 5, 6, and 7 to let them know this is how we're going to rule in my kingdom. Well, he's getting everything ready. But when you read those things and you try to put them into the church age, those scriptures don't fit. It's not talking about us. It's putting us under the law. We're not under the law. But there's some wonderful things to see. So when he makes a statement here about, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
You know, I believe there's certain kinds of fish. You know, they have a, a toad that kind of blows up all the time. You got catfish, they're slimy. You got jellyfish that don't have any backbone. And you got mudfish always stirring up the waters. I wonder if we got any fish here today. We're all fish. But we've been caught. And so now God says there's some things that he wants us to know and to do. So in chapter 5, chapter 5 and 6 and 7, we have the preaching of the king. The king is going to preach some messages so that to uh, help you to prepare and get ready for the kingdom. So he preaches this and he preaches some mighty wonderful things. And so you can look at these next three chapters and it really opens up an awful lot. But he's saying, look, under the law, it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, don't even think about it. What? Now, if he's here, does he even know what you think about? We have laws, but aren't you glad nobody can read your mind? But there's going to be somebody here who can. And so he goes through and he says something, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. But I say unto you, but this is doing the kingdom. If a man slaps you on the cheek, what are you supposed to do? Slap him back. <laughs> you say, no, 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 no. Turn the other cheek. Somebody says, well, it doesn't say what to do after that. <laughs> That's like, you know, I'm going to let you shoot me. And then I get to shoot you. Oh, uh, wait a minute. I would like to stop a man before he does the wrong instead of just retaliating. But when he says not to slap him back, the man hits you on the cheek, turn him, that's here. That's not here. Now, we can apply that to us if we want to, and you can be holy and godly and so forth, and there's a lot of scriptures and not to be a, uh, a brawler and so forth, but the scriptures are talking about how he's going to do it during the kingdom. This is when Christ is here, and Christ is going to rule. Man wants to sue you, I'm out, take your coat, hey, give him two coats, don't worry. Why? Because Christ is here, and everything will be made right. You don't have to worry about it, because he's here. But he ain't, he ain't here yet. See, we're in the church age, and to take and put something into here is not what God's talking about us doing. It's, it's a misapplication of the scriptures. And so you can get totally messed up whenever you, you do that. And that happens an awful lot. So look there in chapter 8. See how fast we're going through the book of Matthew? In Matthew chapter 8, you have demonstration, the power of the king. What can this king do that nobody else can do? Remember, everybody's got problems. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's always needing something. Now, you notice that when Jesus came along, nobody needed health insurance. He was the great physician. And you didn't need any funerals. Because I don't know somebody dying in his presence. And if he did, he could raise him from the dead. Now, I like a king like that. Just think, a wonderful environment. Al Gore is going to be in charge of the environment. <laughs> Make sure there's no global warming going on. What is all of this? 
called global warming. They're not going to solve the world's problems. They may try, but it's not going to happen. So in chapter 8, the power of the king. And you see there, first thing it talks about there is how, in verse 2, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus says, I sure can. And he did. But it shows that he had power over leprosy, which is an incurable disease. And down in verse 5 is the centurion. He had a, a child that had palsy, and nobody could heal him. And Jesus says, you can go on home now. Your son's healed. Because he says, look, you don't have to come. All you have to do, he says, I'm a man under authority. He just says, all you have to do is just speak the word, and it'll be done. And Jesus said something about this Gentile. So here he noticed what he says in verse 10. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to him that followed, them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and from the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the, what's that word? Kingdom of heaven. This is where the Gentiles are going to be here also because there's been the judgment of the nations and the believers of these various Gentile nations are going to move into the kingdom. And the nation of Israel, there will be no smaller than a mustard seed, will grow and be the greatest kingdom upon the earth. Now, this is where the Bible says that all the kingdoms of the earth have become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's going to come. He's going to rule just like he said. Our politicians today, they may buy us a little time, but they are not going to change this world directions. I would love to see America stay free until the rapture. And that's my personal reasons, because I just don't want to hurt. I have not had to go through pain and suffering like people do in some other countries. I haven't had a man grab a hold of my head and try to cut my throat. Though I believe it's possible that one of these days somebody might do it. But then I've got a bunch of bodyguards here that are going to step in <laughs> and protect me. Even the women. Children, if they want to. No, but we know that there's the power of the king because the king is coming and Jesus went about doing all these things because it was a proof that he is the Messiah because he's able to do the things that were prophesied about the Messiah. And then look there in verse 14. This is one of the scriptures that I have not yet understood. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever... But you notice this is his mother-in-law. But he never asked Jesus to come and heal her. It says when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw. Now, I'm not trying to read into this, are you? We're not supposed to put into it, only draw out what is already there. Well, I can get in a heap of trouble fast, can I? Have you ever said something that had to eat your words? You ever ate crow? What is crow? Something you said that you can't swallow <laughs> and you have to eat your own words. Yeah, I know nobody's here like that. But anyway, this is what Jesus did. He had the power to do all of these things. And so he did them. And over and over again, talks about what he did. Now look there in chapter 10. Chapter 10. 
chapter 10, now he's talking about, he's got his, his leaders, and he says, go not to the Gentiles, but only to the sheep of Israel. You see that verse there where he makes the statement in verse 6, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and he instructed them to go. So we have here in chapter 10 the announcement of the king's kingdom. They were to go and tell everybody, and hey, the king is here. The king is here. The kingdom of heaven. See there in verse 7? But as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's not talking about the church of Jesus Christ. It hasn't been started yet. hasn't been founded yet. This is where Jesus, who was a Jew, came to the nation of Israel. Salvation is of the Jews. And he came to fulfill those Jewish scriptures, those prophecies. And Jesus was who he claimed to be. And now he's saying, look. And he told him to go all the way over the nation of Israel and tell everybody, tell them all, I'm here. And everybody was so glad. No, it didn't turn out exactly that way. But they were to announce the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's different from the church. But if you try to put all that in here, it, it, won't, it won't fit. You, you have a lot of problems. So you don't do that. Look in chapter 11. Chapter 11 is where you slowly begin to see the rejection of the Messiah. Where they begin to reject him as the king where people in place of authority begin to let their views known very explicitly. And the leaders are the ones who had to speak for the nation, not the common people. These are the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and they did not like this idea of Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't believe he was who he claimed to be. So in chapter 11... He goes through and he starts talking to them about this thing. And then you'll notice what he says in verse 20. He did not many wonderful works in a certain place because of their unbelief. Then he shows them a comparison. How that if what I'm doing here today had been done in other places, and he mentions a couple of places like Sodom and Gomorrah, he says they would still be here today. But he didn't. He did them here. And they would not believe it. So things were getting bad. And he promised them there's a day of judgment coming upon you because of this. So as a nation, he begins to change from presenting to the nation and the national leaders. Then he starts focusing upon the individuals. The individuals. Look what he says in verse 28. Come unto me, all ye, personal thing, ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It becomes a personal thing. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. He's not talking about as a, the nation as a whole, but individuals within the nation. There slowly begins a rejection that Jesus sees and begins to modify the message that he's been preaching. Because sooner or later... He's going to be changing the direction of his ministry. Now, he's not going to change it as far as going to the cross and so forth. He knew the hour is come, and that's where he was headed. But the, the kingdom is going to be set aside. 
And now he begins to tell those Jewish people, you are not going in. You're not going to have anything to do with it. And they're going to be left outside. And so you'll see that. Look there in chapter 12 where the king now, he is being challenged. The king is challenged by these legalistic Judaizers that don't like what he's doing. So you'll see there in verse 2, when the Pharisees saw it, who do you think you are? What you're doing is unlawful. Now they're trying to go to the extreme, trying to turn the people against Jesus, showing them how unlawful, how he breaks the law. And so he goes down through here, and he says some more things about it, but it all boiled down to that. And then they accused him that what he was doing was not by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was doing it by the power of the devil. So they were trying to change people's thoughts about him, not just that they don't want to believe it. Now they're trying to convince the multitudes not to believe he was who he claimed to be. So Jesus does say, yes, there's a, an impardonable sin where they, that he was talking to, they won't get to go into the kingdom because they do not believe on him. You're not going into the kingdom. We also know that it can be applied as the sin of unbelief for people who don't believe what God said. Because if you don't believe what God says about his son, you can't have eternal life. And there's no forgiveness in this world or in the next. Because the only reason you're forgiven of sin is because you believe on Christ. You don't believe on Christ. No forgiveness. So you have this rejection. And he's being challenged in chapter 12. Look in chapter 13. Chapter 13 is a long chapter. Deals with parables. Because now the kingdom becomes a mystery. And he begins to explain some things about the kingdom. But guess what? We're going to cover that tonight. But anyway, as we go through the book of Matthew, I believe it's important to see where Jesus is coming from, what's happening, and why things begin to change. You can see their rejection. You can see in what he reveals and the applications and the mysteries, and you begin to see, and it's just a beautiful picture. You can see it. But you have to back up in order to get a kind of panoramic view and see all of it. Because if you get too close to it, you can see that one word. Exegesis, you can get down to the very word. But if you back up sometime, you can see a better picture. Now, I love doing both. But I do like the panoramic view. I like to see things, uh, where, where are we going here? What's the point of all of this? I hope that as we do this, you will enjoy the studying of the Word of God. But there are certain things that you have to know in order to keep from trying to put into the Scriptures something that's not there. But it's good if you only try to pull out what God breathed in. We breathe out, and then we're supposed to tell people what was in it. Not try to tell everybody exactly everything that God meant to say, but he didn't say. Well, this is what God said, but that's just not what he meant. He meant this. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and the wall represents sin. The Bible says that um, God loves us. Well, he doesn't really love you. He just, he just thinks he loves you. No, he's, I believe he loves me. And the wages of sin is death. Well, not really. No, wait a minute. Let God say what he says and just believe it. God loves me, hates my sin. 
And for me to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. I believe that. Why? Because that's taught from the scriptures. Get it out of the Bible. And, but God says that he loves me and wants me to go to heaven. And I find in the word that God does love me and God wants me to live. And God offered me eternal life as a gift. So therefore, I know God loves me and God wants me to be with him for all eternity. That's why he did what he did. He said, but you can't earn it. You can't work for it. So the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody can earn their salvation. Why? Because God says so. You don't have to put man's ideas into that. Well, he doesn't really mean that. Then why didn't he say what he meant? He says it's a gift. I believe it's a gift. It's not of works. I believe it's not of works. I believe when he said, I have eternal life. You know what I believe? <laughs> I got eternal life. Can I know I'm going to heaven when I die? Can I know it before I die, though? How long have you known you're going to heaven? I want everybody to tell me how long you've known that you're going to heaven. I want to say it all at one time. I have known I'm going to heaven for 55 years. Did y'all get that? I didn't hear a word y'all said. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all of ours, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead and said, if we would believe, he did it for us. He'd put the payment he made to our account. See, Jesus Christ was the payment. So when you accept Christ as your payment, he said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. I've got a payment for my sins forever. He is eternal life. So as long as I've got Jesus, I've got eternal life. I have a proof of receipt. And he has nails in his hands and his scars to prove. My payment was made in full. He came back from the dead and said, if I would believe it, he'd give me as a free gift everlasting life. And i go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for me. That's good news. That's the best news in all the world. I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Anyway, we've got a lot of things to cover, but we'll continue that at another time. Let's pray, shall we? But head bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not do it right now? Why not just be honest between you and the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I believe you died on that cross, paid for my sin, and I'm going to trust you right now as my Savior. Friend, God said if you'd trust him, he'd save you. He'd give you eternal life. You can know that you're going to heaven. So in the quietness of this moment, I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. Say, preacher, that made sense to me, and I want to be certain of going to heaven. Friend, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. You're going to heaven when you die. And that's the best news in all the world. God's been so good to us. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and to study your word. And we pray for a good meeting for tonight. In Christ's name, amen.